Alright, yeah, so just, uh, let's use this soundboard here, man. We'll do it live. Pay for it. We'll do it live! That's wonderful. You know, speaking of live, this is our, uh, this is going to be our first episode with a live studio audience. Yeah. Yeah, first one. Yeah. First one. Uh, we're joined here, of course, by my, my lovely wife, Emily, uh, who's sitting in the corner smirking. Um, so, yeah, first of uh, first of many live studio audiences. That's right. So, yeah, thanks for joining us here, Emily. Yeah. Yeah, for the low price of uh, $200, you, could, you two could be a studio audience member. That's right, right. right. Yeah, just yeah, just, a just $200 donation. Yeah, donation, right, for yeah. tax purposes, right. That's a Absolutely. very important distinction there. NPR yeah. style. That's right. That's right. We're doing a pledge. We're doing a pledge. I think it's yeah. too early to start. You know, they uh, NPR they do the um, they do like the, the the pledge things where they pull like the greatest hits from different shows. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, mm-hmm. like we're gonna go back into the archive. Pull this like Aretha Franklin like yeah interview from like '88. You know, and they play like and they're like, oh, did you like that? Yeah. Well, she's dead now, but we need money, and then they kind of like sing like that. Yeah. But they don't like quite say that. It feels that way. Like, you know, I think it's a bit, a bit uh, guilt-inducing. It's, I mean, we every love year NPR. Gets a, I so. love NPR. Yeah. I mean, to be real, you, you drive... You, you, I drive a Subaru. drive a Subaru. Yeah. Which, um, I only assume that's the only radio station that comes in clearly, right? It's that's my the, number one preset hmm. on my, in my car. So is your number two just static? It's, or... No. Okay, because... <laughs> ESPN Radio. Oh. Yeah. No. I don't believe that. I think, I, I'm going to say only NPR comes in clearly. 89.1. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. It, uh, oh. And then maybe you get the what's the other one? The the. Oh, the national one. Or yeah, the yeah, state yeah. one. The state one. I don't really listen. The to one that, that one. just plays classical music, like it's yeah. like classical, like nineteen hours a day or something. It's like yeah, it's excessive. Yeah. I don't listen to that one. Oh yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, have you seen this? Is random. Have you seen Blues Brothers? That movie. Mm-mm. Eighties. You know what I'm talking Not about? Not since I was a kid. You've seen it though. I don't remember anything about it. What? Dude, okay, I was thinking, because I, I loved that movie growing up. I think I saw that prior to, like, my early high school. And, uh, okay. Me being, like, you know, I'm, I'm an oldies guy, right? Like, old school, old school like, soul music and stuff. Okay, um, yeah. I was thinking, I don't know how I got on the topic of thinking about that, that, that movie, but, like, I was just thinking there's so many incredible performances in that. And, like, I've just been, like, I really got to watch it again, man. But um, you remember thinking about it? So I, I definitely recognize it. John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. Do they actually are they musicians? Uh, they I mean they they, they, made, a, they made an album. So they were talented. They made an album uh, after really after the movie. Yeah, and it was it was pretty good. And and they and in the movie oh. they sing of course. Like yeah. I wouldn't call them super talented. Like in musically, I mean they definitely were like big fans. Uh, but the cool thing is they're backed up by like like the backing band like were all like famous like blues musicians like really famous. Right. Yeah. But no man, I was thinking about uh, I can see if you can find it. Um, oh, there's a great scene. It's when they're being chased. If you haven't seen the movie Blues Brothers, you got to see it because like there's so many. If you haven't seen it, it just sounds crazy because there's like so many things happening. But in the movie, you know they're they're trying to get their band back together, right? They're trying to raise money for like this orphanage. Uh, and uh, they're kind of like slowly going back around town, and they're trying to get their old band back together. You know, this guy worked here. Let's get him on board. He's doing this now. Let's get him back on board. There's this great scene where they uh, encounter uh, 
Nazis, neo-Nazis. Really? And they're, like, in Illinois. They're in Chicago. And they're, like, marching. They, like, won their court case. And okay. so, like, they, like, they take their big old Bluesmobile car. You can see it there in the background there. Yeah. And they drive the Nazis off the bridge. And so the whole the whole rest of the movie, like the Nazis. Them? No, no, no. They just, like, fall in the water. Oh, and The okay. whole rest of the movie, these, like, neo-Nazis are, like, chasing them, right? Sure. And on top of it, I know this is, like, if you haven't seen it, you're like, well, what's going on here? At the same time, John Belushi's uh, old, like, girlfriend, uh, who's Carrie Fisher, you know, from mm-hmm. Star Wars fame, right? Of course. Is trying to kill him. And so she has, like, a rocket launcher. I think she has, like, a machine gun later. And she's trying to, like, blow them up as they're, like, going around trying to get the band back together to throw this big concert, right? Okay. I know. So, like, so now there's, like, Carrie Fisher. There's the Nazis chasing him, right? Um, and uh, then they go to this, uh, they're trying to, to find their old guitar player. Sure. And they end up going to this, like, black neighborhood in Chicago. And who's playing? John Lee Hooker. Okay. Classic blues music. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. They go in there. It's like one of the greatest <laughs> scenes. Dude, we've got, well, we got to find the clip, man. Hand me that remote, man. Hand me that remote. Let's see if we can do it. Let me see. This is why you guys take so long. This is why it takes so long. Uh, Alexa. Hold up. Are we going here? i got to see. Uh, Blues Brothers, John Lee Hooker. Let's see if it pops up here. I've got to show you the scene. It's so powerful, man. It's not only a great comedy movie. Like I'm talking about like... Just like some of the greatest musicians. Here we go. Watch this scene. I don't think we're going to get pulled. This. So the Nazis are chasing them, right? Yeah. They love, they love blues. What's playing? Boom, boom, boom. Classic blues song, right? right. John Lee Hooker. This is right before he died, too. He died right after this. Right. Oh, let that soak in. All these extras, like who knows how many extras they brought in for this movie, right? They're just driving the bluesmobile down it, right? Right? So, so that's a great scene, right? And then they go into that diner that's behind, right? Yeah. Get the guitar player, and I don't want to ruin it, but uh, let me find it on here. But yeah. I'm going to ruin it. But I'm going to ruin it. Um, oh, and then here we go, right here, right here, right here. Uh, oh my goodness. And then they go in there, that guy right there, that's uh, their guitar player. Yes. And he is married to Aretha Franklin. And so she, he wants to go play with them, and she's basically saying, hey, either you stay here at the diner with me, or you gotta go. And then she plays her classic song, Think. You better think mm. about your actions, better think about your consequences. Aretha Franklin. Right. I got an idea for a song. No, I've got sad. But the point is, like, this movie, like, like it's a great comedy movie. It's a great, it's hysterical. But there's so many, like, high-level, powerful performances. And it's just, like, it's a side thing. It's not even the main thing. Uh, here you go. We got two uncles out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Hasidic diamond merchants. They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one. White bread. Toast. Dry. Nothing on it. Nothing on it. And the other one wants... Fried chickens and a coke. And Jake, shit, the blues broke. Hi, Jake. Man, what are you doing? I'm trying to get him back in the band, you know. Oh, bad. Thursday night, we took a wicked pepper steak. Can't be as bad as the cabbage roll of the terrible pharaoh pin. Or that oatmeal at the Cook County slam. Oh, they're all pretty bad. Matt, me and Ellen, putting the band back together. Put the
my lady, she'll kill me. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Here we go, here we go. You better think. The Blues Brothers. Macintyre Murphy. They played on their album. I love it, but I'm the man and you're the woman. And I'll make a decision concerning my life. You better think about what you're saying. Here we go. Oh, you better you think. Better think. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. Think about what you're trying to do. And it becomes this whole, they dance the whole thing. It's beautiful. So, is this considered so a good. musical? It's a musical. Yeah, it's okay. a musical. Uh, the next scene, and we won't play it because this took way too long. Uh, but <laughs> maybe we should even cut that whole section out. I'm sorry. Uh, but the next one, they go to get a good, they go to get a piano. Ray Charles. Ray Charles is playing. I want to watch this movie. It's the best movie. Yeah. It's the best movie. Uh, I had pretty Callow limited uh, oh, appreciation sick. for music growing up as a '90s country. Oh, Garth Brooks. And then, or my dad's uh, like '70s and '80s metal. Okay. That was it. That was it. So, that was it. 70s, 80s metal. I mean, ACDC. ACDC. Uh, Sammy Hagar. Okay. Uh, you know. Metallica? I mean, early Metallica. Metallica. Oh, okay. yeah. Metallica okay. big. Okay. Yeah, big time. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, th- so that's, I don't know what got me on that, man, but. But I appreciate, beautiful. I appreciate Power, other styles man. of music now that I never would have been interested in watching a movie about blues, but you know. So good. You know, hey, Mumford and Sons is my gateway drug hey, man. to folk. You start hearing blues, that fiddle, bluegrass. That beard starts growing. Yeah. You find yourself start putting on that, uh, putting on that checkered jacket. And you, here we go, hipster down. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of History Bros. Making the past dope again. Oh, I like how we did that. That was good. We didn't even plan that. That was just spontaneous. Yeah, live. Yeah, so uh, it's Ethan here. And, uh, of course, this is Andrew. Yeah, and uh, today we're finishing up our three-part series on George Washington and his uh, Native American policies as president. G-dubs, round three, I like it. G-dubs and the Indians. Yeah. Sounds like a band. That sounds, yeah. Like a folk band. Sounds like a Mumford and Sons. Yes. The beard's growing out. Yep. Got a fiddle. Got to be a real tweener to listen real to that. Real tweener to, uh, oh, that's a good reference. We'll save that for another cold oh, open. Oh, we got to save that for one. a cold open. You guys, yeah. just hang in there for whenever we talk about tweening, because that is a whole, that is a whole rabbit hole you got to dive down there. Right yeah, now. it's good. Right. It's worth it. Okay, so legacy. Uh, so yeah. we're looking at, walk me through, what are we looking at exactly? Yeah, today? so, yeah. okay, so, yeah, today, looking at his legacy, um, just uh, on future presidencies, really. Um, what impact did he leave? Um, we're not going to go as deep into other presidents as much as we have into Washington. Sure. Because the focus of this has been on Washington. He does himself. And his Indian policies, yeah. right? But we're going to make some comparisons. So we'll look specifically a little bit at Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson. Sure. And then we'll look at Andrew Jackson. And most people are going to be f- 
pretty familiar with concepts of Indian removal, Trail of Tears, most people have heard of that. Right. But what we want to do is we want to be able to look at those, specifically those presidents, in view of Washington's policies right. and kind of try to connect the dots. So looking through the lens yeah. of, of G-Dub and what he did, right? Yeah, and then maybe even... get there? Yeah, maybe even looking at uh, today if we see any remnants of Washington's hmm. policy or philosophy in our world today, in our country today, um, or that maybe the consequences of that today, I don't know. I like how we're flipping the script there again. We're feeling that yeah. rigor, man. We're yes. Getting it. Yeah. So, um, so the, I guess the guiding questions would be, what's the legacy of Washington's Indian policies on future U.S. presidencies? Right. And then what examples of his legacy do we see or not see in the U.S. today? Okay. Yeah. yeah for sure. So uh, let's do it. Let's do it live. Do it live, yeah. So, uh, uh, Andrew, you want to kind of recap for us? Yeah, our last yeah. Let's see. So again, if you haven't, have you haven't tuned into our first, uh, first episode or our second episode of uh, History Bros Making the Past Dope Again? This is uh, part three of a three-part series. Um, and like we said, just looking at George Washington, his uh, Native American, or as we would say back then, Indian policy. Last time, uh, episode two, we really did. Um, Look at what did he do uh, as president. We we, we kind of skipped over um, we kind of skipped over the American Revolution uh, in itself in terms of you know you think of Bunker Hill, Lexington Concord because right, yeah. you feel like if anything's been hit hard, you've probably hit that you know. And we really wanted to focus yeah. on um, what are the things happening around it that maybe have been kind of kind of missed, not not commonly discussed. Um, one thing I think we really looked at that was interesting that I, I, I learned and thought was, was pretty valuable um, was you definitely see George Washington taking his childhood experiences, his time in uh, what would become the uh, Seven Years' War, uh, mm-hmm. also known as the French-Indian War, and, and you see him using those experiences, and I think it's fair to say his, his failures, you know, because remember yeah. he had to surrender. Uh, he, started, he started the Seven Years' War, the first global conflict. You see him learning from those past mistakes and experiences uh, in his his presidential policy. Yeah. Um, so we talked about, um, we read some of his letters, some of his documents, uh, and you really did see um, him talking about how are we going to deal with Native Americans uh, in a proactive versus in a reactive way. Uh, and you saw him setting up things uh, such as... Um, how are we going to deal with um, interacting with Native Americans? Are we going to um, follow their customs, etc., uh, etc.? Et and you really see him using his own personal experience implementing that into his policy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's kick it. Let's let's dive in. Let's do a live man. I said let's kick it. That sounds like a Beastie Boy thing. That's yeah. Like a- that's another soundbite. Kick it. <laughs> yeah, kick it. We have two soundbites we're going to we use. We got so. two, so we got to do it live. Do it live and kick it. We got to kick it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do it. Live and kick it. So, all right. Thomas Jefferson. Um, the cool thing. Tommy Jeff. Tommy J. Uh, TJ. Jeffy Tom. Let's, let's not do that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one's dead. That one's dead. It's dead. I'm just messing. Um... Yes, so the thing about Jefferson is he was there in Washington's presidency. Yeah. He was there. Right. Um, you know, he was a big part of, of the founding of uh, the American government, nation. 
Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see someone else that was a contemporary of Washington and how they take his policy and either continue it or go a different direction. We see a little bit of both with Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about Jefferson himself, not to go too far into him, but his views of Native Americans were um, more nuanced than other contemporaries, uh, white contemporaries uh, of his time. Um, kind of like Washington, he had, um, Jefferson probably had more of an, an affinity um, or fascination with Native American language and culture. culture. Um, he would collect artifacts um, from Native American culture. Right. Um, he just had a genuine curiosity. I think that that's definitely a, a fair thing to say about Jefferson just in, in general. Obviously, there's a lot of nuances when you talk about Jefferson. There's a lot of things you could or could not dive into. But when you look at I'm just thinking about his like collection of like French wine, for example. You know, I mean, he really... Def, the man who had some hobbies. You know, I think to an extent he really is a, a, a Renaissance man. Uh, and, and probably both the good and the bad ways. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think... Um, so that's that's him in some ways, though. But at his core, uh, he shares the view of white landholders. Um, as much as George Washington was a nation builder, sure. Um, so so was Jefferson. And um, so he's looking at here's America, one How do we get to two Right. Right. And I, and I guess hint, hint, hint. You know, it's not going to be stay in place, right? We're not. We're right. not. We're, we're going to keep expanding, right? Right. We, there's that idea of this. There's this great unknown, um, and you know, and I would, I would guess even at this time, you know, um, he probably sees it. Probably America sees it as it's kind of its job to, quote unquote, conquer the great unknown. Yeah, and you see that come out. And I'm about to read a quote from Jefferson. Perfect. Um, that you see that come out, and um, not that this one quote defines him as a person, but sure. we see that part of him come out where, yeah, he's definitely signing more on the white landholders, the white, I guess you call them New Americans? Yeah. Right? The New Americans? New Americans, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, another terminology we haven't really spoken about for Native sure. Americans is First Americans. First Americans. Yeah, there's a chapter in Callaway's book that says the first president and the first Americans. I like that. So cool. I like that. Um, but anyway, so Jefferson, yeah, so um, he was responding to some, this is in August of 1776, so before he was president, okay? Right. But this is something he said, actually this is before the founding of America. This is during the American Revolution. Ooh. He's responding to some Cherokee assaults that were happening in the South. This is what Jefferson says. Nothing will reduce those wretches so soon as pushing <laughs> the war into the heart of their country. What? So let's take the war to him. Let's, right. Right, get your pitchfork. Let's go. He literally says, but no I would not stop there. I would never cease pursuing them once one of them remained on this side of the Mississippi. So we got to keep, we not only got to gotta fight. Right. Let's keep pushing them until, and then he, he the, the Mississippi would just be, you know, obviously huge river, right? Right. That's kind of a bearing, so... Let's, let's get them out. Let's move them out of the way. Right. This is 30-year-old Jefferson. Right. You know, in some people's minds, still a young guy. Young blood. A little bit more maybe impulsive. Sure. Um, so keeping that part in mind. But, man, this is a part. This is something he said. 
that's pretty that's pretty direct. Not, yeah, you that's know, pretty direct. There's not a whole lot of ways to spin that. That's yeah. pretty, you know. I think um so he would maybe not articulate things in quite the same way sure. as president, but um we could see some of that sentiment um acted out. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine by this is a weird thought, but um you know how it, in any you know, whether you're a, a movie star, whether you're a politician, anybody who's a big deal who gets on, like, TV or, or, or whatever, um, you know, they have a, a publicist. Somebody who, who helped a spin doctor, right? Who, yes. When, if and when you say something that offends a group of people, uh, somebody who kind of spins it a, a, a special way. Can you, can you imagine the spin doctor, the job they have to do on that quote? Oof. Right? You know, like, well, well, come on. I mean, he didn't, he didn't mean... Literally taking it to them. He yeah. Meant, he meant we should just... Does that ever work? Figure, I don't think. I know. No, that no. happened yeah. uh, in the debates the other night, didn't it? I missed the debates. Yeah, one of the, the candidates debates. had to go into... So there's this room where it's kind of an unofficial thing that uh, candidates don't go in there. Okay. It's only for reporters. And if a candidate goes in there, it's kind of a known thing that they are trying to correct something that they messed up. They, they, they did poorly in the debate. So oh. I don't remember who it was. It was one of the female... Uh, I missed all so, of it. I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm all yeah. the way out of it. No. But yeah, no, like what you're saying, but like that's... So like, so immediately after the debate, tried to go into that area? Yeah, I'm like, hey guys, let me, like, let me talk I about I I how terrible point. I did. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no chance. Once it has to feel... That. It has to feel like... You know, I don't know. Again, I didn't. I don't. I don't know who you're talking about or the situation. I'll have to pull up, yeah. But uh, but you have to imagine that, especially like in a, a presidential debate, even this early on, especially this early on, you're trying to stand out for the right reasons, right? Um, as soon as you realize you said something, or didn't say something, like you missed a point, right? You gotta really, you gotta think your brain is just like, oh crap! I've been preparing for this thing for literally months, and I have a whole team of people telling me exactly what what phrases to say, you know, which ones are pulling the strongest, right? And I either said something I shouldn't have or I missed a point and just totally, you know, you got, you got that pressure, right, of like, holy crap, right. I got to get in there. I got I to gotta fix that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I'm going to stop myself before I dive further into that. Because right. okay, okay, I started right. to Google it. You didn't find talk it? About okay, it. okay, no, let's, yeah. Let's go yeah, back yeah. to Thomas Jefferson. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's a it's, it's, uh, federal prosecutor. Amy Copenhagen. Oh, yeah. Is that right? I think she's the one who announced when it was snowing on her head. Is that the same one? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> there's so many in, in, um, on the Democrats. It's a lie. We can probably just leave it right there, but there's so many. Oh, yes. my goodness. Um, so He's Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson <laughs> definitely um, had an affinity for Native American culture, but sided more with white Americans. Um, okay. So as we kind of saw with... Um, Washington's presidency, um, there was tension between the federal government and the states as far as Indian policy. Um, and Washington was hesitant to really get in between the states and Indians too much. He would say things, but not really back it up with any executive like action. Okay. Never sent troops really anywhere to really do anything to stop the frontiersmen. Okay. Um, and then we see that same tension with uh, Jefferson. Um, so there's this opportunity to, um, Je at Washington, his Indian policy kind of dispossesses, um, the Native Americans because he's not willing to step in and help. So it seems like at this time, the two options are to either extinction. Sure. 
or assimilation. Right. And I think we talked about, didn't we talk about last time, assimilation kind of became the moral choice? Right, that became the moral argument. And how Washington wanted to create treaties more than start wars. Right. And the idea of creating treaties or doing these land purchases um, was to give Native Americans also the opportunity to become American citizens. Sure. And to basically stop being Native American. Right. And And so in a way, I mean, is... Is Washington and, and the people who would back up that policy, you know, are they being, are they really looking out for the Native Americans? Right. Sort of. Well. But, but, but really, you know, it's, we are going to civilize you, and we're going to civilize you uh, in a way that reflects us, I not get, in a way that reflects you. I, I guess you the know? question is, in their eyes are they, or in our eyes did they? Sure. Right? That's a very fair point. I think it's, right. it's really hard to say. Certainly. That's why history is so awesome, um, and things... You know, I think going into this, I had views of each of these presidents yeah. already. I already pegged them as, oh, yeah, they were good or bad. Or, right. you know, right. definitely when we talk about Jackson, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll talk about this more. But I'm like, oh, yeah, bad, bad. Bad, yeah, right. Yeah, get them off the Put 20. them in that category. Yeah. But, and reading a little bit, I'm like, as you start to feel for the positions they're in. Right. Um, I mean, not that they're victims. Sure. But that it's not easy. Right. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, well, and as always, and this is going to be a whole episode in itself, but you know there are issues when you start to take 2019 situation, 2019 morality, you know, and experience, and then shoving it on the past. You know, right. certainly, certainly, it's important to compare how far we've come. You know, but but certainly, you know, matching up these leaders um, with today's leaders, today's beliefs. Uh, you're in a world for hurt if you try to do that, right? Right. Good luck finding anybody who you can call a hero from back oh, then man. with today's morality. You know? oh, and, man. And, and that that can't be a justification yeah. for the things that are done. It can't be. It shouldn't be. Uh, but that's just how people are. People are dynamic, yes. right? Yeah. People are people. People are people. Nobody is... Yeah, that sounds so cliche. It just sounds cliche. I don't want to... I'm almost afraid to say this. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> right, but the idea is that say it. <laughs> everybody like everybody like you know, so yeah. Anyways, that's that could be a whole episode. That could be a whole episode. Could, like ph- philosophical. It could be a future episode thing. Yeah. I like that. Um, I know a guy that's a philosophy major. That'd be a good. That would be a good guest spot episode. Yes, because listening to us probably babble about what we think. Right be awful also i would just for, I, know. I would rather have somebody else babble yeah on, on that on that that sounds smart on that touchy issue <laughs> <laughs> true hey scapegoat and just kind of oh yeah we, we found a, a great new scapegoat right yeah I like exactly that. yeah yeah i want to come back to that yeah so um okay so washington uh definitely preferred to assimilate indians and really viewed that as their best choice okay. of chance of survival because he realized um, as a nation builder himself, we're talking about Washington, um, that um, Native Americans would have to basically free their land up. Yeah. And Jefferson, we really see, take that to the next level. Jefferson is all about acquiring acquiring new landed territory for right. the United States. Right. And so where Washington was more pushing the assimilation aspect, Jefferson is a little bit more like, you know what, you can have assimilation or extinction. Either way, like... We need the land. Right. We're he coming was a, either way. not as accommodating, perhaps. Sure. Um, you know. So, 
and we see that we see this idea of expansionism right that Washington spoke about Jefferson starts to actually practice uh, we all know the the Louisiana the Louisiana <laughs> Louisiana <laughs> Louisiana territory uh, the, the Louisiana purchase um, 1803 right bought it from France huge amount of land super cheap stupid amount of cheap land yeah um, that's huge it doubled the size of the US right more than doubled. More than doubled? Yeah. Triple, maybe? Yeah, a lot. Massive. A lot. Massive. Um, but he also was purchasing land from Native Americans, 200,000 square miles. Huh? This is not instant. So not just from the French, but also additional land from the Native Americans. Right. So what we see is Jefferson offers a third choice. Native Americans can assimilate. One. Become extinct. Two. Or dispossession. They can move. They can move. Just right. get out of here. Right. And so what's interesting is we're going to kind of wrap it up with Jefferson. But um, he's considered, um, according to a scholar by the name of uh, 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 Meacham, excuse me, John Meacham, um, I'm getting this from his book, Thomas Jefferson, The Art of Power. Okay. Pretty uh, popular book for uh, people that want to study Jefferson. Um, but the, the idea that he helped architect Indian removal, that he wouldn't even live to see. So when we the Indian removal yeah. of the 1830s under Andrew Absolutely. Jackson would not have been possible with the purchasing and acquisition of these lands. Well, absolutely. There wouldn't have been that Indian... Like, think of right. Oklahoma. Right. Where was the, a part right. of Louisiana territory. Right. Because expansion is an idea, but once you acquire the land, now it's just a matter of time. Right. Clock's ticking. Yes. Right? They're going to come. Yes. That's actually... I never have, have thought of it like that, but... But certainly, when you think about the idea of manifest destiny, you think of Indian removal with with Jackson, who I know is coming up, right? Yes. Really, it's it's going to be Jefferson that sets it into motion. Yes. You know, I also wonder though. You know, obviously George Washington is the first president, uh, has a different policy than, than than Jefferson does, and of course they have different life experience. But you also got to think, by the time Jefferson is president, time has passed. The U.S., while still a very young nation, is much more established mm. um, than, than it would have been in Washington's time. And so you kind of have to wonder, because, like you said, Washington was also in the business of, of nation building, yeah. right? He understood that land was going to happen. Uh, maybe he wasn't as aggressive as, as Jefferson was, but you right. have to wonder if, if maybe Jefferson was the first president um, and Washington was the third president, would Washington have wow. pursued a similar policy? Well, wow. you know, of course, this is what of history, but absolutely, that's huge, though. Yeah, and I think to consider those things really helps to kind of broaden your thinking, and help you to consider different angles. You know, absolutely. So that's Jefferson. Um, how Jefferson really followed Washington's bigger policy of expansion, but also how right. that impacted Native Americans, or, or would come to impact Native Americans. Put it into motion later on. Absolutely. Put it into motion. Put it into motion. Yeah. So that's Tommy J. Let's uh, move on to our next segment. Let's talk about uh, Andrew Jackson. Let's get jacked. So, yeah, okay. I knew so, if I wasn't going to say it, you oh, were going to say it. It's going to come out one way or the yeah. other. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Andrew Jackson um, and uh, how he, you know, carried on uh, Washington's Indian policies. Um, the big thing that um, we're going to talk about is removal. Right. And, and right? that's going to be something I can go 
people have a decent amount. You think Trail of Tears, right? Yeah. Cherokee Nation, you know. But I'm, I'm curious to learn kind of the context around it and uh, kind of the larger scope. Yeah. Because really, that's a fairly zoomed in picture, right? right. And so I'm kind of I'm curious to view it in the light of uh, Washington's policy. Jefferson's policy, yeah, policy after, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Absolutely. And just like with Jefferson, we're going broad strokes here. Right. Like, Absolutely. we're not going to dive too deep into Jackson details. We might. Maybe. More to talk about on him. But, you know, I think we want to really just keep those connections going. An interesting connection, I read H.W. Uh, Brand's, uh, some of his book about Jackson. Okay. Talks about his Indian policies. He uh, makes a statement that I'm not sure if I agree with, but I might. But H.W. Brands knows right. way more than I do, and than I will ever know. He's an actual historian. He's an right. actual historian. Right. Um, yeah, maybe H.W. Uh, Brands, if you're listening to this, uh, we'd love to have you on as a speaker. Um, he can sit in our uh, guest chair for $200. <laughs> we'll make him a deal, 120s. <laughs> nice. Give him a discount code. I like it. Um, anyways, so this is what he says. He says, no president before Jackson and none after had such intimate experience with Indian relations. So, they're saying in terms of just interactions, Jackson is the number one guy face-to-face, right? Yes. That doesn't mean right. That doesn't mean necessarily wrong. Right. right? Although, you know, you could definitely put in your own opinions here. Um, Yeah. But huge experience, right? Yeah. Right. Now, I think before we dive into the specifics, which I'm, I'm excited to learn some stuff on this, but... I think we should talk about who Jackson is. Sure. Because, I mean, Jackson, I mean, cult of personality. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, rough and tumble guy, truly, you think of all the presidents prior to Jackson, he's really the first one that I would comfortably, you know, be able to say pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. You know, yes. you think of, think of and, he, and even even George Washington, although he definitely does a lot to, to you know, grow his own, his own stock, but really more than anybody else up to this point, Jackson really makes, he's a self-made man, you yeah. know? And I think because of that, because he doesn't come from this huge pedigree, you think of the guy he ran against, uh, John Quincy Adams, who was, like, groomed as a child to be president, right. right? You know, like, from the ages, you know, he from when he was a little kid, he was reading books because someday he could be president, you know? Uh, Jackson is a guy who you could say is a, is a commoner, right? Yeah. Or at least started that way. Yeah. And I think when you look at who he is and how he acts, um, he retains a lot of that. Which yeah. is why he's such a populist. Yeah. Why yeah. he's, I think, the OG populist. That's the word, right? a populist president, yeah. He's the common man, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I guess before we go any farther, one of my favorite stories about Jackson. And, and Jackson, of course, there's so many things. You know, he's, he's famous, Old Hickory. Um, yes. It's you know, given the name Sharp Knife. Oh, really? Yeah. By Native, Native Americans, yeah. Ooh, I could look it up specifically. You know, yeah. he got, yeah, you could tell me the, you know, that's not a cute context. I mean, that's a <laughs> <laughs> war hero, of course, you know, um, daring, hard, tough, uh, had killed men in duels, you know, yeah. uh, fist fights, won fist fights, all this kind of stuff. But one of my favorite stories is when he, um, when he finally wins the presidency, which I believe was the second time he ran for presidency. He didn't win the first time. Uh, 
he, uh, you know, his inauguration, he gives his big speech, and then they have a party that night in the White House. And really, like, you think of the White House. The White House is, you know, if the United States had a palace, that's the palace. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it's, it, you got to think it's it's going to be the most formal place, right? Uh, yes. And he, he basically throws a, a, a house party. A little raver. A little rave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the, the, the common people who came to see him speak, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, uh, the, the who's who's of Washington come up and they party with Washington or no, with Jackson, excuse me, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the extent of where, you know, they're drinking so much, it's getting so crazy that the servants start, um, removing the furniture to prevent it from being damaged. Okay. They pull it out. They pull it out. Good move. Um, and they start kind of encouraging like, Hey, you guys should go. You guys yeah. should go. So he throws this huge party, right? It's a rager. He's a rager, right? Would you think about, you know, common man, right? Wow. But I think also, and I'm curious to hear about his Indian policy, but when you think about um, his policy, like Indian removal, right? Yes. Um, definitely his view is probably a view that the average common American would probably hold, right? They are not like us, these Native yes. Americans. They are in the way. Yes. They need to be removed. Right. And I think what you said, you, you said he's not pedigree. Like the, the previous presidents of the United States were, were elites. Yeah. Um, um, they were politicians, right? And um, that's not Jackson's background necessarily. He's a, he's a military guy and he pulled himself up. So I think he has a different view and where Washington and even Jefferson to some extent would try to rein in the common man. Right. Jackson's like, hey, I'm one of you guys. Sure. Let's do this. Let's party. Right? Let's party. Let's party. <laughs> you know, so different guy. It's funny because um, Jackson felt like Washington's policies were pro-Indian. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he even thought they were pretty stupid. Now, he has a quote where he's questioning, like, why is this our policy? He straight up just says, why? You know, um, the reason is unknown. Like, why, why are we... Why are we Angrandizing the Cherokee Nation above other nations and doing these different things, he questions the past policies and in you know uh, early nineteenth century styles, calling them dumb. But you got to think, you know, common man. That's going to really appeal. Yeah, and right. We, and we look back now at Washington's policies. Would we call them pro-Indian? Right. You know, the, the whole uh, well, let my let my Department of War handle this. So let's not bring in the State Department. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, you know. There's a lot there we could talk about, but it's interesting. He thought Washington was in support of Native Americans, where um, he was not to the same degree. Well, and you got to think that um, obviously he's he's comes from a different background, but you know Jackson is pretty far down the line. I mean, he's number number seven, mm. right? And 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 so Washington at this point, you got to think has a has a pretty big legacy that you that you know what I mean. It's not like. Like like Jefferson, where like you know you were toe to toe with this guy, right? You know Jackson is is quite a bit younger, and so you you would think to to question Washington's Indian policy would be to question, you know, if you're Roman Julius Caesar's policy, right? I mean, it, it's, you're, you're taking the hero of America and you're saying, yes. why did he do that? You know, yes, um, yeah. So um, let's talk about some comparisons now. Um, how did how do we see Washington's Indian policies in Jackson? Um, again, kind of like we've talked about a couple times already, this big tension 
uh, of our Indian tribes sovereign. Right. Washington openly advocated that they were, along right. with Henry Knox, although their actions did not always match that. Um, Jefferson, meh. Eh. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Uh, but, you know, that was the question at the time. That was kind of the Indian question, you know, how do, or, or do we treat Native Americans as, as you know, independent, you know, nations? And it, and it kind of seemed like with, with Jefferson, to an extent, like, you're sovereign depending on what choice you make. Yes. Like, if you guys choose to get out of our way, you're sovereign. Right. If you guys don't, now you're not sovereign. Yeah, right. it's interesting the times that Native American people were allowed to choose, given that sovereignty, like, okay, you guys can make a choice, but then other times that sovereignty was undermined and saying, you don't right. have a choice, you have to do this. Right. We so, didn't like your answer, so... Yeah, yeah. so we're... <laughs> yes. Just kidding. Um, so... Indians asserted tribal autonomy and their exemption from state laws. So they wanted to remain where they were, but to be exempt from those states' laws. Sure. So to be a state within a state. Sure. Okay? That presented, in Jackson's mind, that presented some constitutional issues. Um, and so what, what ended up happening is states refused to grant those exemptions to Native American nations. Biggest example is Cherokee Nation mm. in Georgia. Georgia, sure. It's the big one. Um, so they appeal to President Jackson and he for protection, and he denies their appeal. Right. Um, and he cites this whole idea, um, the constitutional prohibition against creating new states within existing states. Hmm. That's his, that's his out for it. His constitutional but Really, yeah, yeah, he's just not wanting to get in between... Right. The states and the tribes. Now, are the states, just to clarify, yes. are, are the states themselves choosing not to follow a federal law? There, or are they, is that in their power to? There really aren't any federal there's laws no, mandating. Okay, there's Basically, no Basically, the presidents there. have tiptoed their way. Right, yeah. Because, and, you know, think about early federalism. It's, it's more about states' uh, sovereignty. Rights, sure. Right, maybe sure. sovereignty is not the best word, but states' rights. You know. Well, and and you, and when you look at you know we have the first constitution, right? Yeah. But when you look at other countries around the world who have constitutions, I think ours is the shortest. Yeah. Like so, you got to think there's there's uh, going to be some things that are are left out, and and of course that becomes the whole, you know, the whole you know, are you a loose constructionist? You know, are the things that can be interpreted, or are you more on the strict side where you know the words are the words are the words. And so, you know, when it's such a short document, you got to think it's going to lend itself to stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the not even one liner that's in the Constitution yeah, that we, talks about Native Americans. I think that was, I think that was episode And with two. the Indian nations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like it's literally just a comma and then like half a sentence. Right. So it's, it's so from a federal government point of view, there's not a whole lot you can do. It's got to be the states. The states. Right. That's, and so that helps us to kind of get a little bit of a broader picture because um, the, these presidents, I believe, these presidents really were trying to uphold the Constitution and not bend it sure. to themselves. But they really believed in the idea of building a nation, a strong nation. And that was the primary goal right. of these first presidents. We're going to expand. Yes. We bought all, and, and this is looking back on, on Jefferson, right? We bought all this land, right? Yeah. Uh, let's let's tame the West, right? Yeah, 
yeah, and and Jackson himself truly believed that there would not be any peace for Indians east of the Mississippi. Hmm. Just with the way things are going, um, the desire for westward expansion um, of the American, you know, uh, government to the Mississippi. It's interesting how through both Jefferson and Jackson, that's kind of the the barrier. That's kind of the border. Right. If we just get them on the other side of the Mississippi River, if we just get them there. Yeah, you know, as if that'll be enough. And what a temporary solution. Sure. Right, yeah. Right. First it was Appalachians. Right. 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 Then it's Mississippi River. Right. Then it's uh, Indian Territory. Right. Oklahoma. Right. Yeah, it just keeps going. Just keeps going. Yeah. Right. The Rockies. The Rockies. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah it's there's pretty, a story there, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, there's a real-life lesson, like, you know, is it is enough ever enough? Right. Right? Right. Oh, just just until here. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more, right. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that got real. That got real, man. Yeah. Chasing the dragon, right? <laughs> Chasing the dragon. So, um, so Andrew, Andrew Jackson starts to propose a legal transfer of land west of the Mississippi that was acquired by Jefferson. Okay. Transfer that land to these those eastern tribes, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, you know, uh, the Chickasaw, um, and transfer those tribes west. So I'm starting. So we're starting to see the idea of an Indian state, an Indian territory. Yeah. Thrown around. And how much it was, the idea of assimilation would be great. It's the moral idea. But. But we see Native Americans are our people. You know, you know, and they don't want to assimilate, right? And 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 that's probably being kind. You know, it, it's probably more often like, but they're savages and they won't change. You know, that mentality for right. sure. That mentality for sure. So, and that's what we see on those backcountry guys and in those states. Um, they just want the land. Hmm. Uh, they don't want to assimilate the Native Americans. They want the land. Get right. out. Um, and so we see from a federal level, from an executive level. Hey, you know, maybe it would be helpful to if if you guys speaking to the Native Americans, if you guys just moved west, that way you don't have to be confronted with these states and with these frontiersmen and these white settlers, and you'll be safe and you'll have your own land again, and you can have your own sovereignty out there. All these promises, right? right? It sounds we'll so never good. need anything else, right? <laughs> if you'll just accept this deal, you know, and in in his early proposals of this, Jackson was like, hey, you know, and this is only going to work voluntarily. We can't force them. You right. Know, and actually, let me just read his words. Um, this is, he says, um, uh, it would be cr- as cruel, as unjust to compel the aborigines, aborigines uh, to abandon the graves of their fathers and seek a home in a distant land. Uh, but then he said, if they remain within the limits of the states, they must be subject to their laws. Hmm. So, this dichotomy of it would be an awful thing to for you guys to leave, but if you're going to stay here, you have to obey our laws. Right, right. Oh, and then the the of course the the presum the presumption of of like even though you guys were here before we were, now our nation, our you know like we're we're not going to be all of a sudden subject to Cherokee laws, right? Mm. We're going to subject you to our laws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um... The new America. Is there really a choice there? Right. Well, I think no. Right? I think the answer is, well, we know you guys aren't going to want to do that. Yeah. So get out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, and so, in December of 1830, um, giving an annual message, he congratulates the Chickasaw and the Choctaw on accepting this land swap. And I'm going to read a little, another quote from Jackson here. Um, and he says, Their example will induce the remaining tribes also to seek the same obvious advantages. <laughs> <laughs> it's really leaning on that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, guys, this is, this is obviously going to be better for you. you know. And then he says, It puts an end to all possible danger of collision between the authorities of the general and state governments on account of the Indians. It will separate the Indians from immediate contact with settlers, settlements of whites, free them from the power of the states, enable them to pursue happiness in their own way and under their own rude institutions, hmm. will retard the progress of decay, which is lessening their numbers, and perhaps cause them gradually, under the protection of the government and through the influence of good counsels, to cast off their savage habits and become an interesting civilized and christian community talk about that populism right there boom man yeah he brought it he did he brought it right so it's like even this idea of hey we're gonna dispossess you just so you can realize how you do need to assimilate how bad <laughs> we're gonna give you space to stare at us and say oh we want you to, we wouldn't become like you that's obviously gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, but you just need to get out of our space right well, and, now. And, and you have to, I, I, what I love about that quote is it's, it's the idea that like, oh, well, if they just need a little bit more time to see how good this is for them. Right. Which when you zoom out the camera, right, you think the first English settlement, 1607 Jamestown, you know, Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, first, first contact, right, for, for, for England, right? Sure. Who, of course, is going to become the United States. And, and of course, you know, what happens is, more of these Europeans show up, and just the situation gets worse for you, worse for you, worse for you. And so the idea that that all of a sudden you've seen really what what is the rape of your culture, the rape mm. of your people, yeah. um, you know, you've seen really the the death of your tribe and the skeleton that remains of your tribe, you know, weak, small, impoverished. Threatened, there's a threat of your land being gone. The idea that all of a sudden it's going to be like, well, I can't believe we've been missing it for this long. <laughs> they are clearly offering us the correct solution. Right? Sure. <laughs> this wow. is going to be yeah. good for us. Right? Wow. wow. <laughs> Man. You know, and yeah, that's such a good point. I think, uh, and going back to the Jackson's quote, like the first part of it, you're like, okay, okay, yeah, you're wanting, you're wanting there to be less conflict. You recognize there's conflict there. Right. You recognize it's not good. You're like, okay, all right, Jackson. And then the rest of it. And he's like, so that they can become <laughs> like us. And it's like, okay. You know, um, and this is kind of a teaching thing, uh, but, but we're, we're, we're taught when, let's say, you have a, a parent-teacher conference with, uh, with a, a, a student who has some, some struggles in your class, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're taught often to do what they call like the sandwich technique, mm, right? Okay. You know, you, you have like a, you don't, you don't just start with, with how the kid is struggling or, you no. know, no, no, no. let's say a kid punched another kid in, in your class, right? You don't just start with, well, Johnny punched Sammy in class and that needs to stop now. Yeah. You don't just start there, right? You start with like something that's going well, right? And then you kind of slip in something good, the the, the, the correction, yes. and then you end it with something good. You sandwich yeah. it, yep. right? Yeah. The, the the meat, the 
the the the part that needs to be fixed right is right there in the middle between between two comments yes. right i love him because he's really open face sandwich in this thing right yeah he's i'm gonna give you a sliver of wonder bread right <laughs> a sliver of good job good job Chick-saw, right but then he just pours the meat on and oh, you know he follows it up with gravy on top you yeah know? i mean just yeah just like and the, here's why you, you guys are savages Here the you go. gravy of assimilation right the gravy of assimilation yeah there's our episode Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes, the gravy of assimilation. I'm going to write that. That's maybe too silly, but I'm going to write that down. I like it. So let's keep talking about Jackson. Let's do it. Um, man, so much stuff that he said. So I'm going to read another quote. Third quote in a row, okay. Um, but he really talks about this idea of, let me find it here. Um, all right, we're, we're going in, guys. I'm reading a full quote here. Full quote. Okay. So, this is Brands talking. Jackson avowed benign motives regarding the Indians. Okay, now here's Jackson. Toward the aborigines of the country, no one can indulge a more friendly feeling than myself, or would go further in attempting to reclaim them from their wandering habits and make them a happy, prosperous, pe- prosperous people. So, obviously, we've seen some culture superiority. Uh, some, you know... Um, right. Right there. Um... And then Brand says, yet one must look at the facts in the eye. Humanity has often wept over the fate of the aborigines of this country, and philanthropy has long been busily employed in devising means to avert it. But its progress has never for a moment been arrested, and one by one have many powerful tribes disappeared from the earth. To follow to the tomb the last of this race and to tread on the graves of extinct nations excite melancholy reflections. But true philanthropy reconciles the mind to these vicissitudes, as does to the extinction of one generation to make room for another. And so this idea, I'll stop there, but this idea that Jackson really advocates is it's okay because the extinction of one generation makes room for another. So he's kind of... uh, I don't know what the right word is. He's... He's really... <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm going to finish this quote. This finish is thine here. Yeah. What good man would prefer a country covered with forests and ranged by a few thousand savages to our extensive republic, studded oh. with cities, towns, and prosperous farms? I've read farms. this one before, yes. Yeah, embellished with all the improvements which art can devise or industry execute, occupied more by more than 12 million happy people, and filled with all the blessings of liberty, civilization, and religion. What do you want? Right. Do you want wild yeah. people living yeah. in trees, or do you want right. beautiful cities? It's, like, those are the options? What? Right. It's, it's, it'd, be, it'd be like if somebody was like, what do you want, lobster, or do you like Skittles? Right? <laughs> it's what he's offering you. But, but of course, he's not properly describing the Skittles. No, you know? it's totally right. slanted. Right. It'd be like, can you imagine, it'd be like if, if somebody badly describes something, and then perfectly describes something else. Yes. Right? You know? And that's what he's offering you. But you hear that, and that I'm glad you kept going on that. You can't help but think of this is kind of the story of colonization. It is. Right? It is all across the world. It you is know? Um, the idea of we have the good culture. European white culture is the right culture. We pray to the right God. We eat the right food. The music we music we sing. Yes. The dances we dance. This yep. is. A plus. This is A plus right here. Yep. Everything else is secondary to that. And, you know, 
why would we settle for anything else? Why would we let these savages settle for their own crappy culture when <laughs> we have our perfect culture? Right. It really is a story of American um, cultural imperialism so far, up to Jackson. And yeah. I feel like my personal thing is he's basically saying, hey guys, the time has come. Right. You know, let's pull the trigger on this. Thing. Yes, it's, it's we're doing it. Well, and, we, we recognize saying, that you yeah. know it's bad. It's you know this isn't preferable. But hey, do you want to live in forests or do you want cities and culture and civilization? Yeah, he, he's really what he's doing is he's he's saying damage has been done. Let's just finish the job. Is right. is really what he's hinting at? You know, definitely you're going to hear some white man's burden coming through here, right? I'd, I'd encourage you guys. And we won't dive into it, but if you haven't read that famous poem that depicts uh, colonization, uh, written uh, by none other than the author of uh, of the Jungle Book, Kipling, mm-hmm. White Man's Burden, great okay. poem, uh, great not for not meaning great, but great as in it it really explains the motivations behind colonization across the world. How much later did this come out? Was this like late? 18, this is going to be quite a bit later. Century? Yeah, quite a bit later. But I think it perfectly, let me look at the year here. 1899. Uh, 1899. But it really does perfectly sum up kind of, why would you why would you settle for these forests when you could settle for yep. all this wealth and all this proper culture, right? Mm. It really paints that perfectly. So if you get a, if you get a chance, check out White Man's Burning by Kipling. Um, and I think it's going to perfectly paint the way Jackson sees um, sees America. And what to yeah. do about these "quote unquote" savages? And maybe we save this for the takeaways, but it good. brings up the question: like, what makes one culture better than another? You know, yeah, that conversation, right? And how has that changed over time? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, let's start. Let's wrap up Jackson, and then we can uh, uh, further wrap up Washington. I like it. Wrap on wrap. Wrap on wrap. So. We we don't need to talk too specifically because it's it's pretty common knowledge for people that have been in a history class, Indian removal, um, a policy of Jackson. Um, his his Jackson's policy of ex, um, expanding or extending American... Uh, oh, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Jackson's policy was really <laughs> an extension of America's Indian policy of the past two decades. We see some more of a populist flavor there. But really the momentum that the the American government has right. had is just continuing to roll. Right. Um, and someone's he, he speeds it up, I would say. Um, I, I want to throw this interesting thing in there I found as I was, as researching about Jackson is he, he, did you know he adopted a Native American son? What? And him and Rachel took in several Indian boys. No. Really? So, and I don't know... That throws some flavor on this whole thing. It does. So it's yeah. like, so why, you know, what is that there? I think the obvious thing is, though, like, you can't... I mean, it's, oh, he's racist. You know, he's he's racist. Because you look at his personal life... Sure. And taking in people... Now, I don't know the full context. Right. So that'd be definitely worth some additional research. Right. But I think, for me, what that did, it added another layer of complexity onto the, the man, the person of Andrew Jackson in his personal life... Right. who obviously would uh, t- take care of the young Native Americans around him sure. and adopt one as his son. Right. But then on a executive level, on a political right. level, so it seems very different. So these Natives can change. They can still be assimilated. They still can be cultured. But 
but as a whole, these right. established groups, it's too right. big for them. Right, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But no, I think definitely that has to be a um, something to research further because, um, you know, that's crazy. That, that's, that adds a whole new level to it, a whole new layer, yeah. you know? Lincoya Lin- Jackson. Okay. He's a there, Creek Indian child. What if there's a picture? Yeah. There's a... Um, okay, not a great picture. Nope, okay, not, not, a, a, whole not a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sent by this is Wikipedia. Sure. For everybody to know, a Creek a Creek Indian child sent by President Andrew Jackson to be raised by his wife Rachel. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Jackson took pity on the orphan when he found him, writing that he felt an unusual empathy for the child, perhaps because of Jackson's own past as an orphan. Yeah. Oh, keep reading that. Nicoya was educated with Andrew Jackson's first adopted son, Andrew Jackson Jr. And Jackson even had aspirations sent him to American Military Academy, West Point. West Point. But that was proved impossible. I wonder why that was impossible. Was it because he was Native American? Uh, I think it's because he didn't look like the other people at West Point. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Lincoya was apprenticed to be a saddle maker until he died of turbo, 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 tuberculosis. Tuber- I can never say that. Tuberculosis. Tuber- Tuber- I, I know, I said it wrong. You said I it say right. TB. Uh, TB. Died of TB in 1828. Should have gotten his TB test. Okay. Uh, went the Oregon Trailway. Yeah. Hopefully that that's not too irreverent. OG but, you Oregon Trail. Well, no, the, uh, you can play it for free online now, you know. So. That's true, yeah. I like, by the way, it just has a Wikipedia entry. I like how there's all this, like, story building. Yeah. And then just in half a sentence, he dies of tuberculosis that, and that's it. That, <laughs> that just, is Oregon it's Trail. It's a lot of build up, it? yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um no but that that is a fascinating wrinkle i think yes. always always with history you know there's there's the grand overview of what happened but as always yeah. it's like it's like an onion you know yeah. you just there's so many layers yeah. and layers and layers and layers and that's one i didn't know about well i think um that the personal lives of presidents and then their political their professions certainly i think of uh abraham lincoln ah. uh, totally abolitionist hated slavery right but as a president would be willing to have kept it if it would have kept the union together sure. so just things like that like you know it's it's really easy to want to paint it's one want to put things in black and white right and and to put people in a corner but people are complex yeah you know? well I mean, I mean think about i mean we've talked about it a little bit but think about a guy like woodrow wilson right you, you read his 14 points world war one you know oh man he really wants to see the world as a better place also you know outspoken racist you know shows birth of a nation the the kkk movie you know in the in the White House, you know, yeah. and, and is, is largely part of the, yep. the, the movement of the, the second KKK, you know. Yep. So, it doesn't really do know, much to stop it. There, there definitely is a, a, sep- a complexity when it comes to, comes to historical figures, you know. Yeah. Um, you, it's kind of an all or nothing thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've definitely gone down a Jackson path, but that's okay. I mean, I think there's so much to say. So much to say. I like so that. we know Jackson. Um, uh, so when he starts to really get more... Um, maybe aggressive or adamant about Indian removal. Yeah. Uh, the Indian Removal Act. Um, the Cherokee actually sued the government. No yeah. Doubt. And in Marshall... Supreme Court. Marshall? Highest court in the land. Yes. And... Uh, John Marshall. John Marshall. He he says, no. Like, you can't do this. Right. So the, 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 the Cherokee win their court case. Yeah. So what does Jackson do? The man's man, the common man. Common man. Ignore John Marshall. Yeah. Doing it anyways. I think his, and this could just be all paraphrased, but his, I think, yes. his, I think his, his, his quote that I'll badly slaughter is, uh, you know, well, let John Marshall enforce it. 
you yeah. know? Because you got to think about, you know, who does who does the military report to, right? Yeah. You know, the courts, while yes, it's the highest court in the land, right? Uh, they're the ones who interpret. They're not the ones who enforce. Yeah. So he's like, he flexes right back. And is this before the establishment of a judicial review? Or? Um, no, this would power? be because cause John Marshall. Marshall's the guy. John Marshall's the guy. Yeah. Uh, the Marbury versus Madison. That sounds right. I think, uh, if we're wrong there, I apologize. So I think at this point there is the idea of judicial review. But Andrew Jackson um, is just Andrew Jackson. Yeah, but I think you got to think uh, Mr. Charisma number one. Ajax. Ajax. Oh. oh, is that good or bad? I I think with Jackson, it's okay to feel a little bit of both. Okay, <laughs> Ajax, <laughs> Ajax is like let him enforce it, you know, let him enforce. It. And so, I guess to wrap up the story, you know, the the classic trail of tears, and, and I would encourage you guys. I think we many of us know the story, but you know, it's it's worth reviewing the the terrible tragedy, you know, the death and destruction of a, of a culture, the the trail of tears uh, of the Cherokee Nation. Um, they they end up going west, and and thousands die on that trail, you yeah. know, um, and you know I think always with with history, you know, when you you, you teach American history, learn American history, whatever, you know, um, you got to take the good with the bad, right? Yeah. And and there's lessons in both, you know, um, and so yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, so so with that, yeah, it's um, heavy. It is heavy. Um, we to get a little bit more of an idea of going back to Washington and the tension between the federal government and the states. Sure. And what role does the president play in that? Right, federalism. Yeah. Um, the fact was that Georgia was going to expel the Cherokees. That was gonna. Ha- it's gonna. Ha- it's inevitable. Yeah. I- inevitable. Right. Georgia, the state of Georgia, was going to do that. Yeah. Was going to take that land. Yeah. It's just time. Right. Jackson knew this, and he refused to prevent it. Yeah. So it's kind of by standing by, like, over time. Yes, right. Right? Right. Um, again, the idea of that, hey, you know, we want to to um, really help Native Americans to assimilate. But right. he could have done more things. And, and you know, it's something Certainly. that Brands brings up. He says, you know what? Um, he could have interfered by sending federal troops down, but that would mean sending federal troops to Georgia yeah. um, for an indefinite period of time right. and ordering them to shoot white Georgians who threatened Indians. Right. And that just would not go well for a policy. Right. And so the state's going to have their way. Do you let this turn into the state? It's, it's cringy. Exterminating. Right. Starting a war with the Cherokee Nation. Right. Um, could there have been a uh, Cherokee Georgia war? Right. Well, and and if the president had had maybe advocated on behalf of of the Cherokee, right, send federal courts down, you know, then are you dealing with the issue of 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 nullification? If there's any law passed, I mean, yeah. right, now you're dealing with the state's right issue, you know, um, which of course, and there's going to be some. Uh, you're going to see that come back up with eventually the, the American Civil War over the issue of, of slavery, among other things, right? Um, the, you know, what is the role of the state? What is the role of the federal government? And uh, what if they're not on the same page? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think Jackson really felt that. Um, but the way that he responded to those pressures that Washington felt in his creation of, of, of uh, Indian policies... Um, Andrew Jackson just totally responded in a different way. <laughs> oh, yeah, clearly. 
clearly in a different way. So uh, I think that for us, for our purposes, that we're going to wrap it up on Jackson. Let's move right to some legacy. Let's talk about Washington's legacy. Um, last segment for today's episode, uh, taking a, a one final overall look at Washington's legacy. So we're hopscotching. Um, we talked about Jefferson, talked about Jackson. We're going to go back to Washington for a little bit. Feel like it's a good thing to do. Yeah, recap this, a little bit. The ending of the series summary before we have some final takeaways. Um, so in the fifty years that Washington grew from a young man out of Indian country. He grew to be the most powerful man on the continent and would come to affect the lives of thousands of those Native American people. Yeah. Um, That's just crazy to think about. A young guy growing up in an Indian world would grow up to be the one to almost determine the path of that world. And really, like, like we've seen, and I would encourage you guys, you haven't, check out our first and second episodes. But, you know, definitely... As he as he gets older and he himself kind of goes up in rank, you know he it almost like he starts he's equal with them and by even if he doesn't see himself as equal with them and by the time he's president now he's kind of looking down on them yeah that paternal view right yeah um, and so that huge story arc in those fifty years um, not just of of George Washington and Native Americans but of the entire continent yeah right you think now the French are gone sure now the British are gone. Sure. Now we have all this land, you know, what do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he truly initiated policies that committed the United States on an imperial path. Yeah. Um, And that path is what doomed... (laughs) Native American people, <laughs> right, for generations. Well, it, and and I think to your to your point earlier about how you know he would much rather have Native Americans assimilate than have to go down the the destruction. Sure, but even pass. in that that assimilation, right, that was viewed as such a moral good, right, the right thing to do, right, the um, the the Christian thing to do. Yeah, civilize sure. them. Um, um, Callaway, going back to Colin Callaway, just awesome uh, historian. Um, he says that. Washington's civilization program constituted genocide by another name. Hmm. That name is assimilation. Yeah. It's civilization. Right. It's Christianized. Right. It's, you know, Anglicized. Right. Um, Genocide of a culture. Genocide of a culture. I think that is a perfect way to frame it. Um, Because really, it's like if it's, it's really, it's it's death either way. Whether, Whether it's physical death or a cultural death. Yeah. Right. Uh, your people are going to be erased from from this continent. Right. You know, your language, your identity, your way of life. Wow. Your you know you're going to be erased one way or another. Um, and I think when you peel back the, the the onion, you know, of course he he's saying, hey, let's do assumption. Let's do assumption. Do assimilation first. Uh, that should be our first priority. Um, when you peel that back, why do Native Americans have to assimilate into the U.S.? There's all this land. Why can't why can't America just move farther west? Yeah, right. right? Um, well, but I think that goes back to kind of the idea of um, enlightenment, hmm. right? Because the ultimate goal is not just for we're not on this continent just to be on this continent. Sure, it's to civilize it. 
Right. Civilize it how we want to civilize it. And its it. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is civilization to us? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, absolutely. He saw his policies as saving Indians from their own destruction. Saving them from themselves. Right. From their own ends. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and you still see those words of, of savages. Yeah. You know, or just this language comparing it just to a, a lesser way of living. Sure. Um, he, he believed by giving them the opportunity to be American citizens... Um, he wanted to include them in the new American society that it would be better for them. But right. he really believed, Washington really believed, for Indian people to stop being Indian is what would be best for them. Right. Be better for them if they just became like us. Right. right. And I think he knows, and, and we talked. you talked about how he's nation-building, right? Yeah. And so the idea that, like, this is America 1.0, but yeah. 2.0 is going to be bigger. We're going to expand, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, and I think when you look at, you know, Washington's policy, let's jump to Jefferson's policy. Sure. Right? I mean, Jefferson uh, is the one who buys, the, acquires all that land, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, although there's some different nuances, you know, kind of the vision of, of nation building from Washington uh, is continued by Jefferson. Yeah. He's the one who's buying the land, who's making this westward expansion uh, more possible. Yeah. So... When Washington dies, there's the National Day of Mourning, fe- uh, February 22nd of the year 1800. Hmm. And there's a military procession in Knoxville, Tennessee. And in that procession, there's nine Cherokee chiefs. And several other, um, I think it's in quotations, common Indians, but several other uh, Native Americans march in this procession to honor George Washington. Really? There's, over, there's around 50 speakers Indian speakers wow. invoking his memories and, and the things that he said. And, and there's a quote from one of those speakers who says, Our old friend General Washington. And General Washington is a title people often use for him, even while he's president. Sure. Just because that's how people identify him. War hero. Yeah. yeah. Right. Who gave us the good talks for our land. You could just stop there and be like, what does that mean? So, like, good seen, talks. the good talks for our land. Is that it saying, hey, he at least gave us good talks? Yes. Or is it, hey, for our, you know, but even the idea that, to back up a little bit, but that um, even in his death, um, Washington was seen by a, 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 a part of the Native American world to, to kind of be this figure. Sure. This figure. And actually, it's interesting, after his death, Native American leaders would uh, use and manipulate um, Washington as kind of a bargaining tool and invoking the, the, the person and their relationship with Washington to kind of help leverage. Leverage a little bit, They would bit, reference yeah. him, like, you know, which makes sense because Washington, when you could start to compare him to, to later policies or other <laughs> contemporaries, <Yes>. like, <laughs> like, actually, like, you know, I don't want to necessarily lesser of two evils, you know, because I think that's a oversimplification, sure. oversimplification, but, you know, there's a realization that Washington, on a personal level, did care. Um, well, as much level, as he may right. have misunderstood. Right. Right? Right. Um, well, and, and you have to understand, like, when you look at the number, and this isn't just in this time, but also you go through the Indian Wars, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the amount of treaties that are made, uh, you know, French to Native Americans, English to Native Americans, you know, the U.S. to Native American tribes, and just the series of violation upon violation upon violation 
very one-sided, you know, very much, you know, on, on, on the white man's side. Yeah. You know, we said that, hey, you give us this land and we're done, but now you want a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more, a little bit more. And so you have to see, so you, for them to use Washington as a bargaining chip, you, you can't blame them mm. for trying, you know. They, <laughs> in their time, they've seen nothing but, but you know, these, these trees getting blown up in their face again yep. and again, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately... Washington's vision for a nation built on Indian land was realized, but his vision for Native people wasn't. Right. Okay? That's fair. Right? Um, And despite his well-intentioned efforts to establish uh, that nation-to-nation, that sovereign-nation kind of relationship, um, his policies ended up eroding (laughs) Indian rights. Right. uh, That he claimed to protect and undermined that sovereignty that he, he... claim to respect at the same time. Yeah. And so that kind of uh, summarizes his legacy. Right. And his policy right there. So uh, let's move into some takeaways. Let's go. Let's, let's keep it live. Let's do some takeaways. Keep it live. Uh, keep it live. Yeah, keep so takeaways from whether it's his legacy or just overall... What are some things that kind of stuck out to you? Well, I think I hit on it earlier, and I, I think I meant to save it. and just kind of came, fell out of me. But, you know, there, it's almost kind of like a one, two, three, like, combination punch. Sure. Uh, from, from Washington to, to Jefferson to Jackson. And, of course, um, their own personal beliefs and, and way they handled the, uh, the Native American tribes um, uh, were different. But, but certainly it's like, you know, Washington understands we're building a nation. Thomas Jefferson acquires the land for the nation, right? right. And, and it kind of falls to Jackson. I think Jackson was, was more, much more than willing to, to implement. Uh, you know, he, it's really under his presidency there's that messy removal. Yes. Messy, messy removal. Yes. Um, and I, now I think he definitely leaned into it. Yes. I think he definitely was, uh, saw that as part of his brand, you know, being tough on on what he would call the, the, the Indian issue, you yes. know, the Indian problem. Um, but but you, you have to, it's hard not to see that that in, in some ways the writing is on the wall from even the time of Washington's presidency. Sure. Well, and you talking about that just kind of brings this idea into my mind. What, between Washington to Jackson, um, you have presidents that weren't as familiar with uh, Indian relations, yeah, Native American relations, for sure. So, what if after Washington, there would have been another figure, that who was right, um, and who would have been able to take his policy, you know, his perspective of sure. wanting to help um, um, coexist, right? So what we haven't really used. So, if we'd had like a bumper sticker, a George Quincy Washington, right? Sure, right. But we have this gap in between Washington to Jackson of presidents who just... Who did not have the awareness. No, they were statesmen. Right. And they, right. they, they weren't raised in the frontier. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, to my knowledge, I don't know, some like Monroe, I think there's military I don't think so. There, I, don't, I think we're correct in saying that, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's my assumption. But right. what if? What if those presidents had had experience? Right. You know, how would um, Indian policy may have taken more precedent? Right. I don't know if it would have been good or bad, but it right. would have taken precedent. You know, instead of by the time it just became this, the Indian question that Jackson threw down the hammer on. Right. 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 Um, well, and, and you have to wonder if, um, you know, what if 
George Washington was more of a of a Jackson figure. Oh, you know, I mean, you know, would that have sped the removal, or or would it have just been outright elimination? Well, because he you know? got to create the posse, like you know, I think. With the Articles of Confederation, really nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Just, and then just in the nothing. Constitution, right. that one-liner, he essentially, and that's the reason we did this whole series, is right. he created American Indian policy. Right. Well, I mean, because there's, and, and even in the Constitution, which is, you know, kind of the, the, the narrowed down, you know, version of Articles of Confederation, you get half a sentence. Right. Right. And so it really is Washington who, who paints this policy. Right? Yeah. Um, and then I, I like how, I like how Jackson calls it stupid. I, I really, yeah. you know, stupid. what a great way to frame <laughs> so his perspective. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You should have, yeah, so, um, it's crazy. So, I guess the question that lingers in my mind, um, that we could just talk about life. Yeah. Do it live. Do it live. Um, is, you know, what does that mean today? You know, looking at today's country, today's world. Right. Even do we see inklings of Washington still, um, in today's world? You know, it's not until... Kind of after Jackson and after um, Native Americans are sent west of the Mississippi, there's you know there's there's some big things that happen. The Indian right. Wars is the big one. Right. Um, so after that, we don't really see any any civil action until the 1960s. Right. The the, the Red Power Movement. Right? Yeah. 60s, 70s. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and of course there's the you know the Indian Wars and there's the, the movement towards uh, reservations and of course yeah. there's all the all the stories about the, the 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 Indian boarding schools which were you know truly just how do we how do we best uh, Americanize sure you know, how do how do we how do we take them and cut their hair and, and and ban them from speaking their language to to make them into you know good American boys and girls yeah you know um, and so so I guess if if assimilation is the the goal right uh, certainly that part of American history would, would match up with, with Washington's vision. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether he would agree with the, the means, I don't yeah. know, but uh, yeah. maybe the result. Um, yeah. Now, how do we process, how do we handle this? You know, full disclosure, we, we work at a school, and our, our school's uh, mascot is Redskins. The Redskins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's uncomfortable. It is. It is. You know, has has American society, I think, um, when I say American, I mean white American society, really come to grasp uh, the history. Yeah. And we could talk about the debate, but I think the purpose of what we're doing here on History Bows is we're talking about the history. Right. Behind the debate. Behind it, right. You so know, you can the have the debate. Leading sure. up to it. You know, I think um, if people have been able to look at, hey guys, this isn't a new thing. You know, since the founding of the countries, this has been a question. It's been a long question. Yeah. yeah. And even, you know, the idea is these are Washington's policies, you know, but really you could draw his policies from, you know, others before him. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was not the first to, to talk of assimilation of, of people who didn't quite fit into your European box of, of morality and sure. religion and culture. So I've got a question. Sure. Does this change or taint your view of George Washington? Ooh. Does it change how I see G Dubs himself? Yeah. Um. Ooh. Man. That's a deep question. Maybe it's a, a good question to like. It's a good, a good one to think about. Go into pause. Does so? Does it? Does it affect the things I respect him for? 
how I view that? Sure. Um, I would say probably no. I mean, yeah. I, I still, you know, I see he really does as, as the president still really establish, say, for example, the whole, like, you know, two terms and done thing, yeah. right? You know, there's still a lot of things you look at Washington, you respect, but um, I guess I've learned so much during this series. Um, I can't say I'm super surprised. Right. You know, I really, when you, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, whether we see him as, you know, the propaganda war hero on the wall or not, you know, yeah. he is still a, a, a rich white man in power in the yeah. 1700s, yeah. you know? Um, and I think he still is going to behave like that rich white man. Sure. You know? Um, and of course, you know, morality is, is, is um, going to be different, you know, from 1700 to today, yeah. certainly. Um, but, you know, yeah. he definitely understands from his view that, you know, my culture's the right one and theirs is not. And he kind of holds to that view, you know. Uh, what do you think? No, I think that's that's good. It's it's hard. I think for me, my goal is to kind of really challenge my the kind of the common view, right, of of Washington and what we talked about at the beginning. Poster of the child, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and it does. It really challenges that that picture because I, I feel like that story is left out. It's left out of that elementary education. You know, yeah. we we teach a, a myth of chopping down a cherry tree, but we don't talk about the reality of growing up in Indian country. You know, this why. I think crossing. You know? I think crossing the Potomac is just such a, uh, such a such a much more. Uh, I think we're so much more proud of. That there's image. a painting of yeah, a painting George Washington of... walking past a Native American queen, <laughs> and she has just have a look of like, "Are you kidding me?" Right. Or, or George Washington starting the first global war. There's the, that'd yeah. be a great mural somewhere. If I was an artist, maybe we could pay an artist. That'd be great. Very. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of like Parks and Rec. How there's all the murals. Wow, good of, reference. Of, of the terrible atrocities. Good reference. What if, <laughs> what if, and this isn't to put down Washington, but what if there was murals or paintings of these interactions that we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, yeah. do you do you want a painting of, of Washington walking by and submissively encouraging assimilation? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Him looking a 50-year-old um, Seneca leader. And calling him dude. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. hey, bro. <laughs> You know, I think, you know, this is, it's just another, it, what it does for me is it takes a two-dimensional picture of Washington and makes it 3D. Yeah. I told you how I got this VR thing for my PlayStation. That's, that's deep, man. Playing yeah. games in, three, in VR. Yeah. I didn't buy it, and then I put this thing on, I'm like, you know, it's crazy. Right. Um, but it's kind of, I feel like that's what it does. It, it puts some skin on them. It, ma- it, it makes them feel more human. And I don't know for me if it's come to really make me have a lesser view of him as a person, yeah. but a more realistic view and seeing um, some of his, a lot of his faults. Right. <laughs> a lot of faults. Right. Right. Um, but I even think of like today's culture, like shoot, like have we figured it out? What is our, our current Indian policy now? I, and I'm going to be completely honest, as, a, as an American history teacher working at a school whose name is Redskin, I am very little knowledge. What is our policy now? Are things just yeah. the way they are? Yeah. I and mean, I'm, I, am I okay with that? Right. Am, am I right? Am I okay being as in the dark as I am? Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. You know. Um, you know, and... The uh, self-awareness piece for me is screaming. Yeah, I, right. Right. And I think, right. I think that's going to be a common thing as we continue this podcast yeah. is, uh, you know, it's always a ama- You don't know what you don't know. But when you realize what you don't know, you're like, oh, crap. There's I don't a, know that. 
always been something in me that has been very intrigued in Native American culture. We live in a city, in a state, mm. named after Native American yes. people. Yes. We go to a school named Redskins. Right. Um, you know, in, in, in anthropology class I took at uh, our school, which is also named after Native American oh, <laughs> tribe. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to our, uh, we have an uh, Indian uh, community center here. Yeah. Um, and I've got to spend a few times there um, sitting in a, actually I got to sit in a drum circle. Right. And it was just awesome experience. And there's something, something about the realization of that we are on this people's land. Yeah. And, uh, but for me, it raises a big question. Is this still their land? Yeah. And, and, and depending how you answer that question, where do we go from here? Yeah. Do we, do I need to get on a boat back to Ireland? Right. Well, I don't know. I haven't got my ancestry DNA oh, test back. You spit in the tube, didn't you? Okay. Yeah. Where yeah. do I go? You know, but to back to Europe, right? Right. Am I getting back on the boat? Yeah. What does that mean? Is it about reparations? Yeah. Is it about uh, more land? Is it about um, giving money to reservation? What is it? Right. What does that mean for us today? And is it important enough? How do we rectify the situation? And and is it a priority? Does it get swept under the mattress? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think if I think if there's one thing is probably common in the Native American story. It's our ugly past and what we're going to do about it being swept under the rug again and again. And this is just one thing. Yeah. Oh, and there's so many stories, oh, and, and, and I'm not an expert at all, but you know, when you start to review the Native American uh, experience in America, you know, once they move on to reservations, there's all these stories, not only of, of poverty and mm-hmm. um, and of and of just just really limited opportunities, but but also there's stories of um, things the Indian Bureau of Affairs um, saying that they're not responsible for their they're not able to be responsible for their own finances mm-hmm. because they're not white, mm-hmm. and so there's you know, there's stories of, of of white people being assigned to Native Americans to manage their finances, which is, of course, yeah. rooted in absolute yeah. racism and sure. colonization, imperialism, yeah. you know, our white po- man's burden. Our poorest states are the states that have the largest reservations. Ah. Oklahoma, yeah. New Mexico, Arizona, Dakotas. Right. And when you look at, um, I know we, we have in, in, in our state, we have, um, I think we have one, maybe more, I could be wrong, uh, Native American colleges, and I know yeah. their their dropout rates are just yeah. very very high, and of course um, there's a lot of reasons as to why that is. So as a assimilation worked, ooh, that was the thing. <sighs> if if we address this policy today, right? Say we became activists, sure. Is the answer making posters assimilation two point oh, or right. what is it? Right. right. I don't know if I got to answer these questions. I don't know if we answer these questions. But that's a cool yes. thing. That's that's one of the points of this whole podcast. It's it's to ask questions that just you know stir us to think and drive us to learn. Right. And maybe we don't answer those questions, but as long as we're pushing to learn and to grow ourselves, absolutely, that's what matters, right? Absolutely. And I think and I think if you're, I think it's okay to not know, but to always be in pursuit of that. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's okay to embrace being uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable with our nation's past. Uh, uncomfortable with with what matters or maybe yeah. doesn't matter to us today. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the beautiful thing about what we do, and I think that's the the vision behind this podcast. Yeah. Well, this has been a great series. This has been good. It's uh, first of many. Yeah. 
first of many. A little rough around the edges. Yeah, you know, a little, a little scraggly. Yeah. My beard, yeah. yeah. you know. But we're darn tough. We're going <laughs> to... Got to get them on the sponsorship thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't want to say the full thing. I don't know if that's... I don't know if we're quite there yet, but yeah. some soon. So. That's a hint. Well, uh, this has been uh, the series of, of George Washington's uh, Indian policies, and uh, we hope to uh, see you guys around for another series here in the new future. Uh, but once again, uh, this is Ethan, and... I'm Andrew, yeah. and uh, this has been History Bros. Making the past dope again. Take care, guys. <laughs>